things. Welcome to the podcast, Love and Misery. Love and Misery is a podcast that examines famous and infamous couples throughout the ages. We're your hosts. I'm Clark Forte, and this is my co-host, the lovely and talented. Hi, I'm Mindy Forte. Hi, Mindy. How are you? Hi, great. <laughs> Thank you for such a great intro. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, it's the same one. It's the same one I did last not, time. But, but I like it. Who Great. wouldn't like that? Lovely and talented? Well, I'm trying to bring a little bit of energy today. Okay. Let's do it. Let's okay. do this today. So welcome, everybody, and feel free to reach out to us. Um, let us know how we're doing. Our email address is loveandmiserypodcast at gmail.com, which not a lot of people use the Gmail anymore. Uh, to us. To us, <laughs> <laughs> particularly. The ampersand is actually spelled out A-N-D. A-N-D. And, for, uh, just for our... Email, just Gmail for address. our Gmail yes. account. Um, I can also be found now on Facebook under Clark Forte. Yes, you have quite a few friends. I do. I noticed. Yep. Some I don't even know. Some I That's don't even good. know. That's good. Yeah. So we're excited about new friends and also lots of ideas. So keep them coming. Right. And, and we, we're excited about the whole. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and we've got some the positive voting. feedback um, uh, recently by our friend Jim Carroll. Um, he very much liked our, um, man in black and June Carter series. That's right. Or episode, I should say it wasn't episode. really a series, it wasn't a series right? But, but um, it, it, it could, could be a series, but yeah, I'm glad we, yeah. But yeah. we have so many other couples that we just don't want to spend so much time as a series yet. Right. And we don't want to bore you. I mean, correct. 40 to 50 minutes max, I think is, is our is sweet long. spot. <laughs> it's our sweet spot. People start like tuning out after yeah. that i think so anyway thanks jim for listening appreciate it so the story today deals with uh two people who were in love for many years his marriage to her was one of pop music's great love stories for almost 30 years the two wow. of them met yep the two of them met at a at a nightclub located in the basement of a soho london building this was now the late 60s, and these two were watching a performer that went by the name Georgie Fame. And his... <laughs> Georgie Fame. Georgie Fame. I mean, Fame. that's pretty good, right? Right. Georgie Fame, I'd be like, uh, I'm Mindy, you know, um, awesome. So it was like Georgie Fame and the Blue Flames. That was his backup group. Okay. At the time, she was a photographer for a small rock magazine and happened to be at the club with the group, the animals, which was a famous group at the time for sure. Okay. She had photographed the animals earlier in the year in New York. And at the time he was a singer, songwriter, bassist, piano player, etc., of arguably the biggest rock band in the whole world. And if you heard our podcast last time or saw our Facebook poll, which you alluded to earlier, which I Mindy, love the, Right. I love the poll. That was, I got to say, my idea. Yes. To get some buzz. And it was very exciting <laughs> to get it's a buzz. And it was very exciting to get our our listeners, you know, feedback. get their feedback. Right. Yes. Then, you know, this week we're talking about Sir Paul McCartney and Linda Eastman. Yes. Sir Paul. Well, he's knighted. I know he's knighted. But I, how, do you, how could I get some kind of a good title? I... I, I can call you Mrs. Mindy Forte. Mrs. That's Miss? not a great, I mean, that's a, just a regular title. So what do you want to be, like a duchess or a lady or a what? Lady. 
<laughs> I'm going to start calling you Lady Mindy Forte. Okay, but here's the problem: when you My say it, it'll be sarcastic. It'll, be, it'll be sarcastic. No, you'll be like, not "Hey, at all. lady." Yeah, I know. I you. might be. I know. So uh, forget it. You know what? Let's just go back to the huge. Okay. Okay, the huge. Go ahead. So, um, James Paul McCartney was born on June 18th, 1942, at Walton Hospital in the Walton area of Liverpool, Lancashire, in the United Kingdom. His mother was Mary Patricia Mohan and was qualified to practice as a nurse. His father, James, Jim, he went by, McCartney, was absent from his son's birth due to his work as a volunteer firefighter during World War II. Oh, wow. Well, because they had the, you know, the Blitzkrieg, they had all these bombings, they had all these fires. Um, his dad actually worked as a tobacco cutter, and then later um, he was part of the cotton trade. Okay. But also played in a ragtime and jazz bands in his spare time. He was a trumpet player and pianist who led Jim Max jazz band in the 1920s. So he, so he has, uh, so Paul McCartney has talent in his blood. Right? Oh, I absolutely. Mean, big time. Okay. Yeah. Um, McCartney uh, has a younger brother named Michael and a stepsister named Ruth. So he's got two siblings. Mm -hmm. McCartney uh, attended Stockwood, I'm sorry, Stockton Wood Road Primary School in Speak from 1947 to 1949. Then he transferred to Joseph William Jr. School of Belle Vale because of overcrowding in Stockton. In 1953, he was one of three students out of 90 to pass the 11 plus exam. Three of 90. Okay. Awesome. So that's yeah. good. So what that meant was that he was able to attend the Liverpool Institute of, which was a grammar school rather than a secondary modern school. So it was basically, it was a good thing for him. Yeah. Like a, like he was kind smart. of gifted. Type gifted. Of yes. Okay. Yes. Um, skipping forward in 1954, he met schoolmate, George Harrison on the bus from his suburban home in Speak. The two quickly became friends, but McCartney later admitted, I tended to talk down to him because he was a year younger. Mm, okay. Kind of like our son with yeah. the twins. The twins. And he says, well, I don't know them. They're in seventh grade. Really? Yeah. Like it's so. Because he's above them. He's in eighth he's grade. Eighth grade. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny how you, mm -hmm. how that happens. McCartney's mother, Mary, was a midwife and the family's primary wage earner. Her earnings enabled them to move into uh, another place, 20 uh, Fulthrin Road in Allerton, where they lived until 1964. She rode a bicycle to her patients. Wow. Okay. McCartney described an early memory of her leaving at about three in the morning and the streets were thick with snow. Because babies don't, they don't set an They don't follow a schedule. No, they do not. No. They don't, not to be born, not to sleep, not to eat, nothing. Not really much of a schedule. They're very demanding. They're demanding. Yeah. Luckily, they're cute. Yeah. Eh. No, they usually are. Pretty <laughs> Um, on October 31st, 1956, when McCartney was 14, his mother died of an embolism 
as a complication of surgery for breast cancer. So sad. Yeah. That's just... Very sad. Yeah, and it, it shaped his life too, right? Oh, changed his life. Of, yes. Absolutely. Um, McCartney's loss later became a point of connection with John Lennon, whose mother, Julia, had died when he was 17. He was encouraged by his father to try out multiple musical instruments. McCartney began his lifelong love affair with music at a very early age. Though he did take formal lessons um, as a boy, McCartney preferred to learn by ear teaching himself the Spanish guitar, trumpet, and piano. That's talented. It's very to, talented. To, just to learn by ear? Yeah. And look how gr- wonderful he is. It's not like he learned by ear and he was crappy. No, he was fantastic. He was amazing. And he's yeah. still going. He still is not was. He was not was amazing. We, is amazing. Yeah. We just saw him. We'll we talk him, about that later. Uh, it's, couple, it's in here. A year it's ago. In yeah. um, by the age of 16, he had already written the song, When I'm 64. That's such a great one. Um, I, we won't sing it. We might sing something later on. We, we might. Uh, we usually like to get through the meat of the story first before, before we, we turn off scare the everybody yeah, yeah, with okay. our singing. Mm-hmm. But um, he had written it in the hopes of eventually selling it to Frank Sinatra. Wow. Right? That's high hopes, yes. Um, the, the song would later be released on the album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, nine years later. Then his life changed in 1957. He met John Lennon at a church festival where Lennon's band, the Quarrymen, were performing, and he was soon invited to become a member. This was a type of skiffle music that was popular during those days. Do you know what skiffle is? I don't. Tell me. So skiffle was um, a fad during the day. It was um, like pop music, like the, but they would mix in R&B and maybe a little bit of jazz and maybe a little bit of like folk singing, and so they're all over the place. Mixed but- bag. It was a mixed bag. But, but, but it had a lot of energy. A lot of energy. Absolutely. I like they, that. Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting um, type of music, but that's what uh, their first band um, would play. You know what? We should put a link to some skiffle music at the end of this podcast. We, we just I might. know you're going to put some other links. Yes. That's a little teaser. Well, we're going to try. We're trying to make but it a little more skiffle, interactive. Do it. Okay. Done. Okay. Uh, the two quickly became uh, gr- the group songwriters and eventually morphed into the group name, the Beatles. And we don't have to get over that, you know, into that story because we had already gotten to it. Yes. If you had listened to our John and Yoko episode, correct. I- I'm kind of going through some of this stuff again, but I'm trying to go through it a little quicker. There were a number of personnel changes over the years for the Beatles. Uh, enter in names like Pete Best and Stuart Sutcliffe. But in August of 1962, the group became the Fab Four. Ah, oh, the Fab Four. They could have been called the Core Four almost. But instead, they Fab Four. I, I think the alliteration of Fab Four. I think you're a right. A bit better than yes. Core Four. <laughs> okay. Early on in the group, these two agreed. <laughs> you're making me laugh. Sorry. That all of their songs would be credited Lennon-McCartney, no matter who had taken the lead or happened to... Uh, write the songs, or if they, even if they wrote the entire song, it was always going to be Lennon McCartney. That's very cool. Which I what thought was pretty yeah, cool. That's nice teamwork. Yeah. The group um, got a new manager in Brian Epstein. Shortly after he started managing the band, they produced their first hit, Love Me Do. Uh, that's an awesome song. I'm not going to do it. Okay. I'm, I'm, during this whole podcast, I'm just sitting here going, I need to sing, but you see, I don't. <laughs> A year. Mm-hmm. All Go right. ahead. All right. 
I know, and we love the Beatles. We do love the Beatles. A, a year later, the U.S. Uh, was crazy for the group, and Beatlemania was in full swing. McCartney was often referred to in the press as the cute Beatle. He was cute. He still is cute. I mean, even at his age, he looks pretty good. For his, I mean, for right? his age, yeah. I'd say he looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, let's see. Then they had a string of hits that solidified the group as one of the best ever. I saw her standing there. She loves you. I want to hold your hand. Can't buy me love. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Help in my life. Oh my Eleanor goodness. Rigby. Oh, Eleanor Rigby. And on da, 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 and on da, 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 and on. Da, 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 da. Go ahead. Oh, you're in rare form, <laughs> Minnie. Can't buy me love. It's kind of right. like the the movie I like. Yeah, can't the buy cheesy me love. movie. Very cheesy. With the uh, Quinton is, is in. in. Let, Let the, the fun begin. begin. Okay. This is not a movie podcast. We've said this many times. And that was not scripted, I'm embarrassed to say. Go ahead. One of my favorite songs during this period is Here, There, and Everywhere. It was a love ballad, and it was written by McCartney, later claimed to be a Lennon-McCartney song. Uh, The song was back in the days, um, and it was used as couples, like their first, like their wedding song back in the day, or like the first dance song. Can you sing it? I don't know the song. I'm not going to even try to sing it, but it's a lovely ballad. Um, I am going to uh, post a link, a, a YouTube link of Paul and Linda, um, pictures of Paul and Linda behind the song, because it's very sweet. They're very young, and, and you can just see the innocence, and you can see the love. They're in love. But the song is great. I love I love that song, Here, There, and Everywhere. I don't even know that. Um, McCartney includes it amongst his personal favorites of all time. And in 2000, this um, magazine Mojo ranked it fourth in the magazine's list of greatest songs of all time. Okay. I'll click the link so I can hear it. And I can see their cute little faces. Very cute. Skipping ahead to 1967, with the release of their eighth studio album, again, the aforementioned uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, um, Brian Epstein had a party to congratulate the Beatles on this groundbreaking album and had kind of like a a release party. After which Paul left to go to a club. He was going clubbing. He was going to a Mm -hmm. a club in London. Yep. So now let's talk about Linda Eastman. She was born Linda Louise Eastman. On September 24th, 1941, in the affluent area of Scarsdale in Westchester County, New York. She was the second of four. She had one older brother, John, and two younger sisters, Laura and Louise Jr., which is weird to have a junior as a a woman. Right, and Louise is her middle name. Right. So they really like that name. Yeah. Maybe that that must be the mom's name. Uh, Well, let's see. Okay. <laughs> you well, would I think mean, I would know. I, I yeah, because you wrote this, but I'm looking at it, and that's not the case. Keep going. Her, <laughs> her father was Leopold uh, Val Epstein, and was born in 1910 to Jewish uh, Russian Jewish immigrants, Louis and Stella Epstein. There you go, Louise Louis. That's it. To give a nod to the the grandpa. That's right. Um, That's nice. I like that. Yeah, that is nice. Um, His sister, Rose French, became a noted scientist. This is um, the father, Leopold's sister, Rose. Mm -hmm. 
She became a noted scientist who worked on issues of women's fertility and population studies, awesome. which was, I mean, again, groundbreaking at the time. Yes, absolutely. Um, he later changed the name from uh, Epstein to Eastman. Uh, okay, okay. So, but she was born East. So she was born Eastman. He changed it during the. He changed before it before he was, him. Yeah. Probably before he was married or whatever. Okay. He practiced entertainment law in New York, and he had some well-known clients, including band leader Tommy Dorsey. Also songwriters like uh, Harold Arlen and um, Jack Lawrence. These people were fine artists of their day. Okay. So so she also had entertainment in her family. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I mean, well, and you know what? It's not like a business that's super easy to get into so it's if it's part of what you do is for your life you might i, w I would have loved to have been in entertainment law you know what i mean doesn't that sound fascinating yeah it does oh we should uh see if brian wants to do entertainment law maybe we can meet some famous people okay see this is very self-serving <laughs> right Jeez. and okay let's keep moving forward because this okay. is uh this is gonna be a long going. yeah we don't want to keep everybody forever at eastman's request uh, Jack Lawrence wrote the song Linda when Eastman's daughter was four. Aww. The song was recorded by uh, Buddy Clark in 1947 and went to number one on the charts. The song was again uh, recorded in 1963 to the duo Jan and Dean. Oh, yes. Does nice. it? Yeah. Uh, Linda's mother, Louise Sarah Linder. So there you go. She's named after the mother, Louise, was a was from a, a German Jewish family. Her father was Max Linder, founder of the Linder Company clothing store in Cleveland, Ohio. So haberdashery on that side. Right, right? okay. Uh, Eastman's um, educational education includes graduating from Scarsdale High School in 1959. She then attended the Vermont College of Fine Arts where she received an Associates of arts degree in 1961. Her brother, John, who studied law like her father, um, later became Paul McCartney's attorney and manager. That's a pretty good gig. Yeah, not bad. After Linda graduated from um, Vermont College, she attended the University of Arizona and majored in fine arts. Oh, she's got an Arizona. That's right. Uh, while Linda was studying at the University of Arizona, her mother was killed. In the 1962 crash of American Airlines Flight 1 in Jamaica Bay, Queens, New York. Oh, that's terrible. Okay. Well, this this is some of the misery we're talking about right, here. Right, right. Um, so she had that in common yeah, with Paul. Of course. I'm sure they mother. commiserated over losing their mothers. Yes. Yeah. Because of her mother's death, Linda grew to hate traveling in it by air. Mm, um, sure. Later that year, Eastman had a quick engagement with... A gentleman she had met, Joseph Melville C. Jr., whom she had met in college. He graduated with a ge geology degree from Princeton and mm. undertook grad studies at the University of Arizona in Tucson to which, earn a master's degree. Which is still well known for geology. Right. And so that's, um, so she followed him to the University I of see. Arizona. Okay. Um, she enrolled and studied uh, art history. She married C in June of 1962. Their daughter, Heather Louise, I get another Louise. More Louise. Louise. 
was born six months later on December 31st, 1962. Okay. So almost a New Year's baby. The couple had dissimilar lifestyles and became increasingly unhappy. And they divorced three years later in June of 1965. He was an academic who spent most of his time studying or doing research while she preferred a less intellectual home life. So Linda loved the wide open spaces in Arizona, which who wouldn't? Arizona has beautiful, beautiful hiking and beautiful landscapes and a lot of things to do outdoors. So if you like the outdoors, you should come to Arizona and visit just a sidebar. Um, she enjoyed riding horses through the desert and um, she liked the settings like saguaro cactus and all that stuff reminded her of scenery from Western films, which inspired her to take up photography. She was also fascinated by the history of photography and honored the early photographic pioneer William Henry Fox by producing handcrafted cyanotype prints. Is it right? Cyanotype? Cyotype, yeah. Cyanotype prints. Sure. I don't know how to say that. Okay, I'm going to have to look that up. No, that sounds right. Okay. And um, she also experimented with other printing processes through her career, as well as producing thousands of Polaroids. How fun. So cyan is a certain type of color scheme. So it's like a color scheme. Instead of like doing like a grayscale, you're doing like a cyan scale, a cyan scale. Oh, okay. Look at me learning stuff. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Linda got her first big break as a photographer while working as an editorial receptionist at Town & Country Magazine. Oh, I've heard of that. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She used an unused uh, invitation to a Rolling Stones promotional party that was held on the SS Sea Panther on the Hudson River to document the event and photograph the band. Very well played. Right. So she because, took one, this ticket yeah, that oh, wasn't being used. She's like, used. Oh, oh uh, well, oh, I wonder. Uh, oh, the little band of Rolling Stones. I'm sure I could use that. That would be nice. You know, that's awesome. That. Right. Yeah. So the magazine was so impressed with Linda's candid, intimate and relaxed photos of the Rolling Stones that they published her images in an editorial feature. Her first of many for that magazine. Nice. So Linda became a photographer professionally in the mid 60s and um, her pictures during this period chronicled basically the music musical revolution of the decade. Yep. And while working as the house photographer at the Fillmore East in New York City, she photographed many icon, iconic musicians, including, of course, the Rolling Stones, which we just mentioned, Otis Redding, Baby King, The Doors, oh my gosh, The Grateful Dead, Frank Zappa, The Beach Boys, The Who, Cream, The Kinks, Traffic, The Birds. This is a long list. I'm so impressed. Jimi Jimi Hendrix, Hendrix, The, the Who. Who. Am I reading? Jan Janice Joplin and Aretha Franklin. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me, okay? And um, her photo of Eric Clapton for Rolling Stone Magazine's uh, May 11th, 1968 issue made her the first female photographer to have work featured on the magazine's cover. That's awesome. Pretty cool. She had, so in other words, she had a, I didn't even realize this until this podcast that she had a, a career in her own right. Oh yeah. You know, for sure. And not, nothing to do with really, I mean, music, but her no. photography. Yeah. And um, she was so, really good. Yeah. She was talented and she had something on her own before. Yes, absolutely. Maybe. In fact, she was so Sarah good. Paul. That's right. In 1967, after being named U.S. Female Photographer of the Year, 
Word. Linda was in London to shoot an assignment on the Swingin' 60s, man. That's pretty awesome. Also to shoot pictures for a book entitled Rock and Other Four-Letter Words. This is when Linda met Paul for the first time. Oh, so here we go. Here's the love. Okay. Here's the love. Now let's talk about their time together. Again, they met at a club in London. And I have some dialogue from the day based on memories from Paul and Linda. Paul said, quote, I remember everybody at the table heard the song A Wider Shade of Pale that night for the first time. And we thought, who's that? Stevie Winwood? Linda said, quote, the minute that record came out, you just knew you loved it. That's when we actually met. Years later, the McCartneys would consider Protocol Harem, who's the, the group that made A Wider Shade of Pale, to be their song because of their musical memory. Oh, that's a nice story. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. But the night didn't end at the speakeasy. McCartney, soon to be 25, welcomed Eastman, soon to turn 26, back to his place under the auspices of showing the photographer his original paintings of the surrealist uh, Rene Magret. Oh, that's quite a line. Well, I mean, you, that's not usually would you like, like to come see my, see my paintings. Well, they are original, I, so that's impressive. Right, but I mean, that's, yeah, that's not the usual line. Yeah. Oh, yeah, do you want to drink or I don't know. You want to watch Netflix and chill? That's what the kids nowadays say. Is, is that what they I say? Heard, I, I've read that. I don't know. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Let me get my I'm boots old. out. It's getting deep in here. I'm old. Okay, the, so the Beatle was impressed that Eastman was also a fan of the Belgian painter. McCartney and Eastman would meet again a few days later at Brian Epstein's house in London. Eastman sought to shoot photos of the Beatles for her book, uh, and the Beatles manager agreed for her to come to a press party for Sgt. Pepper's. That was on May 19th, that same year. She took more than a few famous shots of the boys, but also had her photo taken. The first picture of the future Mr. and Mrs. McCartney was taken that night. Aww. But after that, McCartney and Eastman went their separate ways. For, for a, a year. year? Okay. Well, no, go ahead. I was just, I saw for a year. That's yeah. a long time. With Eastman uh, returning to the U.S. to raise her daughter, Heather, and becoming involved in other romances, even if she declared McCartney remained whom the one that she loved, she mm -hmm. was away from him. So, I mean, of course, you're going to strike up some romances or some special friendships. And, um, special friendships. At the time, quote unquote, Paul actually got engaged to longtime girlfriend Jane Asher. Um, mm, in although, 1967. That's right. Okay. Although many thought it was a desperate attempt to save their romance, Eastman and McCartney met up again in May of 1968 in New York. Oh, but, but while he was engaged? Yeah. To Jane? Yes. And, okay, wow. Well, so while McCartney and John Lennon were there to inaugurate Apple Records, and then a few months later... Uh, or no, a few months after he returned to London, McCartney invited Eastman to spend some time with him in New York. And when she arrived, they went to his home where they spent the evening. And he must have been really happy that night, said one of the fans who often loitered outside his home. I'm sure that there's tons of fans loitering and taking photos and whatever, yeah. because he sat on the windowsill of 
with his acoustic guitar and sang Blackbird to us from his upstairs room. So in other words, he was super happy. He's like, I'm going to play to the crowd and like kind of maybe, maybe kind of, you know, position for Eastman. What do you think? I, I think you're right. And Blackbird wasn't even released until the White Album, which came out later. Okay. So he was, he was showing off. He was showing off. Right. Of course. I mean, that's what men do. He later explained that I liked her as a woman. She was good looking and with a good figure. So physically I was attracted to her. McCartney also liked her sense of independence. Her mental attitude was quite rebellious. Mm -hmm. uh, growing up, she was the kind of kid who would hang out in the kitchen with the, the maids to learn cooking. She disliked socializing. They both liked natural surroundings, he said, and they shared a love of nature and um, which became one of their most important emotional links. That's nice. And yeah, I like that. I wonder if he ever came back here or back uh, to Arizona with her. Not here, just wherever that is. Um, I'm sure he did. <laughs> okay. In fact, I think later on. Is that later on? in the, Is that later on in the podcast? Sure, possibly. Oh. So he knew um, that uh, she was a very free spirit. She was considered a rebel and a black sheet of her family for avoiding um, excelling in education, unlike her father and brother. Uh, she was an artist, Paul said, and was not cut out to be an academic. Linda's daughter, Heather, created another strong bond between them. Since he had always liked and wanted children of his own, when McCartney met, first met Heather, who was nearly six, he insisted that she and Linda move to London to live with him. After they did, he devoted a lot of time to Heather, playing with her, reading her stories, drawing cartoons with her. He sang her to sleep at bedtime. After oh, can you imagine? Oh, Paul McCartney singing me to sleep. Yeah. That's cool. Um, a relationship definitely blossomed as the couple married. They were married in a small civil ceremony in Mallorybone Town Hall in March 12, 1969. British fans reacted negatively, partly because his marriage ended McCartney's status as the last unattached Beatle. John married Yoko a week later, and both women were perceived by fans as reasons for the group's breakup. In late 1969, Paul fell into a deep depression due to the Beatles' pending breakup. Did mm, you know this? No, I did not. He spent days in bed and drank excessively, wondering what to do with his life. McCartney later, wow, later, what to do with his life. Right. I mean, because he's, he's already a, conquered so many things. He's a millionaire. Guess, yeah. So I many mean, times over. Yes. And, and, but he was, he was, uh, he is talented in his own right. So, okay. But I guess I get it that his whole life was wrapped up in being the Beatles. That's right. Okay. Um, McCartney later, McCartney later said that Linda helped pull him out of the crisis by praising his work as a songwriter and persuading him to continue writing and recording. After a few troubled months, McCartney wrote, Maybe I'm Amazed, in Linda's honor. Oh, I love that song. Okay, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. I won't <laughs> I'm not do, sing it. I will I, not do it justice. That's a complicated song. Oh, that's but really great, though. It is beautiful. He explained during an interview that the song was written for me and Linda. He added that this was my feeling. Maybe I'm amazed at what's going on. Maybe I'm a man, and maybe you're the only woman who could ever help me. Wow. That's deep. Someone says, writes a song like that for you. You keep that man. Yeah. Okay. 
After that, he I don't added have a song like that. Do you want me to write you a song? Mindy. <laughs> no, Mindy. Don't say, oh, please. I don't know. It might make <laughs> I might have to leave the podcast. Wow. All right. Okay. Oh, that's it. I'm gonna write you a song. Oh dear Lord. Okay. Sober. Let's just say I'm gonna write you a song. <laughs> All right, fine. He later added that every love song I wrote after that was for Linda. Oh my gosh. What a romantic. Yeah. Mm. His marriage to Linda viewed such a disastrous misstep at the time. Not by him, but by the crowds. Right. The fans, whatever. Became by far the happiest and most durable in pop music. That's right. Yes. Okay. So despite the immensity of his fame and wealth, the couple managed to lead a relatively normal domestic life, and they prevented their children from becoming the usual pampered, neglected, and screwed up rock biz brats. That's true. That's not, and that's not an easy feat, right? right? The public never quite warmed up to Linda, but uh, it's kind of thanks to her mainly uh, militant vegetarianism. So she's a vegetarian. Yes, she was a vegetarian. Yeah, and she was and an her, animal and, rights yes, activist, which, which is not which now would be praised, right? Yeah, but back no. then it was a yeah, it was it was more of a controversial. But now they'd be like, oh, you go, girl. They were definitely ahead of their time. Yes. Uh, during their 29-year marriage, the McCartneys had four children. She brought her daughter, Heather, from the first marriage, whom Paul uh, later formally adopted. That's awesome. Yeah. And together, the couple had Mary, uh, Stella, and James. They collaborated on all of the projects after the Beatles broke up. Linda joined him uh, as a solo artist, as a keyboardist, and a vocalist. And she was also part of the group Wings. Linda actually released her own solo album uh, where she wrote all the songs in 1977, which included a single called Seaside Woman. This was all done under the pseudonym Susie and the and the Red Stripes. Oh, a pseudonym. A pseudonym. We liked pseudonyms. Linda would later <laughs> go on to also release another album called Wide Prairie posthumously in 1998. Uh, okay. So sadly, uh, Linda was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1995 and her condition soon grew worse when the cancer uh, metastasized to her liver. Um, Paul McCartney was aware of the prognosis. He said, the doctors had told me privately that we'd caught it too late and she'll have about 18 months. Uh, right. And that's about what we had. So it was sad because she she died from the disease at the age of 56. Very, that's very young. Too young. And, you know, they had a happy marriage and four children. And it's really, yeah, really sad. So she died on April 17th in 1998 at the McCartney Family Ranch in Tucson, Arizona. So they, she, get back to Tucson. they did get back to Tucson. So at least maybe they enjoyed some of her last time in Tucson yeah. and the wide open spaces and the beautiful Things scenery that she loved. and hiking and maybe, right. you know, horseback riding and et cetera. Paul continues to celebrate Linda's life and tour and write new songs. As stated in a past podcast, we saw Sir Paul and his current band pre-COVID yes. on June 26th, 2019 with our eldest son. And it was, it was a great concert. It was a great concert. I'm really glad it was his idea. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. And he doesn't ask us for a lot. He's like, you know, I'd like to see Paul McCartney. So we're like, you know what? Let's do it. And, and it was great. And I didn't think he was going to play a ton of Beatles songs, he but he did. He played a ton of them. And it was, uh, that was my favorite, right? Because yeah. I knew, I mean, oh yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was really great. And we had really great seats. That was really, and that was, yeah, pre-COVID. So so um, just a quick, couple quick facts at the end. We'll try and button this up here um, about Linda McCartney. In 1989, Linda began to pioneer another passion to save the, the lives of animals through promoting uh, a vegetarian lifestyle that she and Paul had long embraced. Her um, first two vegetarian cookbooks, Linda McCartney's Home Cooking and Linda's Kitchen, became international bestsellers. Wow. How about that? Following the success of her first cookbook, Linda broke new ground in 1991 by launching her own range of uh, ready-made meat-free meals from um, an initial choice of six meals the linda mccartney foods range had expanded to more than 40 products and is still growing today huh. okay that's, i mean that's great so linda's photography has done much to help uh, promote the aims of many varied causes including the anti-fur lobby links Greenpeace, the Council for the Protection of Rural England, Friends of the Earth, the Great Ormond Street Hospital, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, the Hammersmith Hospital, the British Dyslexia Association, the Rye Memorial Hospital, and War Child. So they were very, you know, very her, active. Yeah, very uh, active and char charitable organizations, and you know, using their talents for for good, not just to accumulate wealth. Yeah, no, she was she was awesome, and I. I Plenty more things I could t I could say about her. Um, her photography is lives on in um, exhibits in over seventy cities in fifteen countries. Her work hang her work hangs in the national portrait galleries of both the UK and the United States, and she's the only photographer to ever have been honored by three separate exhibitions at the Royal Photographic Society. Very nice. Couple quick facts about Paul McCartney. He was an accomplished painter. In the past, Which I did not know until this podcast. In the past two decades, Paul has had over 70 of his paintings exhibited at the Walker Art Gallery in his hometown of Liverpool. Paul played to what's believed to be the largest paid attendance in recorded history. In 1989, Paul played a solo concert to a crowd of 350,000 plus oh in Brazil. Wow. So Paul witnessed the 9-11 attacks. On September 11th, 2001, Paul was on an airplane in New York City. He looked out the window and saw one of the plane crashes into the Twin Towers. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. <gasps> he said that after he got off the plane, he went right to the bar to get a drink. Oh my gosh, how scary. That how, is so how, scary. Yeah. To see that out, out your window. Right. Um, after that, Paul was honored and um, with being a detective with the NYPD um, after doing a charity concert for 9-11. Which is really sweet. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Both Linda Eastman and Barbara Bach were in attendance at the famous Beatles August 15th, 1965 concert at Shea Stadium in New York. Linda would later marry Paul McCartney and Barbara would later go on to marry Ringo Starr. Oh, how ironic. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. A um, couple quick hits here. John Lennon and Paul so you McCartney. Know what the problem with that is I went to 
uh, Duran Duran concert. Yes, you did. Um, I did not marry John Taylor. Did your friend also go with you? Yes, and she did not marry Simon LeBon. Mm, that's rough. <laughs> that's rough. I hope she's listening. I'll make sure she is. She'll know who she is. So, Darcy. Anyway. <laughs> My friend Darcy. Okay, so, go ahead. So, um, all in all, John Lennon and Paul McCartney wrote 295 songs together. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, there's, and they were amazing, right? It wasn't like a bunch of clinkers. No, it wasn't. Um, during the week of April 4th, 1964, the Beatles occupied the top five spots simultaneously on the Billboard Hot 100. Can't Buy Me Love, Twist and Shout, She Loves You, I Want to Hold Your Hand, and Please Please Me. Oh, my gosh. In addition to those five songs, seven of their other songs also held various lower positions on the Billboard charts. <laughs> That's 12 songs on the Billboard 100 and the first five. It's pretty impressive. That is impressive. And one last thing. In 1997, Queen Elizabeth II knighted McCartney for his services to music. It wasn't the first honor he received from the British, British monarch. In 1965, mm -hmm. McCartney and his fellow Beatle bandmates received the MBE, uh, a member of the Order of British Empire. I saw that on one of the um, things I watched. The, the movies, yes. Yep. In, Pretty uh, cool. I want an MBE. Okay, go ahead. That'd be nice. Oh, In 2017, McCartney was further honored by receiving the companion. Companion of Honor from the Queen. Thank you. A distinction that has been bestowed to people like Stephen Hawking, Ian McClellan, Sir Miss Judy Dench. No, Dame Judy Dench. Oh shoot. Right? Wouldn't you dame. say Dame? It is Dame, dame Judy yeah, no, Dench. Right? Oh. And JK Rowling. Rowling. That's pretty decent company, yes, I would say. I'd say so. Um, and the last thing I want to say is one of my favorite McCarty um, interviews was done on Saturday Night Live. Funny. It was, yeah. And a quote, By, unquote, it was a real interview, but it was, you know. But it was tongue humor. in cheek, kind of. And um, Chris, it is hilarious. Rest in peace, Chris Farley. Um, he had a great interview um, that talks about um, the last song the Beatles ever wrote on the last album they ever wrote, Abbey Road. And if you don't know the line, it's, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Which is lovely sentiment. And I'm going to post that link because it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> it's awesome. And Chris I just love Chris Farley. Yeah, and I, I'm going to go watch a, that right such now. such a waste that he's no longer with Yeah, us. I'm going to watch that right now again. And that's the story of Sir Paul McCartney and Linda Eastman. Yeah, lo lots of love. I mean, they had misery oh, yeah. then, but you know what? I think Almost 30 years I have love. to say the love that they had is far greater than the misery right yeah. and it was worth the misery at the end of you know she her dying basically you know what i mean yeah i don't know the way i said it you don't understand the way i said it you think it's goofy but no no it I... was a lovely it's a wonderful love story is what i'm trying to say which i am not saying well no and, and... but now that's what i'm saying lovely lovely love story <laughs> it was it yeah. was very lovely and and uh I'm going to post, a, like I said, I'm going to post a couple links. Please uh, see the uh, here, there, and everywhere link because it was it's just so adorable. Yeah. These two young, in love people. And yeah, they were married. I mean, they were together for, what, 30 years? 30 years. That's a long time. Well, we will continue our series next time with the second runner-up in our pool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. Yes. Thank you all for your votes. 
Yeah. Super excited. We're going to continue to do, uh, to do polls and get your feedback. Right. Absolutely. Yay. Try and make it a little more interactive. Reach out. And Even though I'm a knucklehead, reach out and I am too. Um, send me but, Facebook. But we'd posts, all, and so. we would also like to have. Um, okay, we would also like to have a guest, a guest with us, a guest to join us. We tried one guest, and so he was uh, not quite ready for his debut. So if you are interested in being a guest speaker, <laughs> please contact us. It will right. be super fun. Well, and I mean, maybe I'm overselling it. Maybe it won't be super fun, but it won't be bad. It'll be above average. Above average. It won't be subpar. I think you're overselling it. I am overselling point. it. Okay. But anyway, um, yeah, we're gonna have some guests. We're gonna ask these people not <laughs> don't, to don't, not don't sound so thrilled. Not we're to, gonna have some guests. Hey. <laughs> now you're good. Now it's the end of the podcast and you're giving me guff. Be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast if you can and give us feedback and suggestions at love and misery podcast at gmail.com. And again, now you can find us on Facebook under Clark Forte. Befriend Definitely. me. Befriend me. <laughs> yeah, it's more friend me. Friend me. But, you know, befriend me. Let's start our own thing. I Befriend us. I don't know all that well about I know. Facebook. That's okay. The Facebook. The Facebook. You did see the movie. I saw the social network and yes. that was very good. It was very again, good. this yes. is not a movie podcast, but that was a very good movie. Yes. And I really enjoyed the music by Trent Reznor. Okay, sidebar. Yeah, sidebar. Um, thanks for listening. Let me give you some some acknowledgments to wikipedia.com, biography.com, lindamccartney.com, beatlesbible.com. Amen. Theguardian.com. <laughs> and ultimateclassicrock.com. Thank you for listening as always. Goodbye. Have a great week. Have a great week. Bye.